Welcome to the Away Days Football Podcast, and here's your host, Big Gunner. All right, good evening. Welcome to another Away Day show. Today I've got Daniel Bamaji on. How you doing today? Good, my bro. I hope you're good as well. Yeah, I'm all right, man. How's your day been? It's been all right, man. You can imagine just work and then football. <laughs> like, that's literally what your life revolves around right now, man. That's, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. But, but no worries, man. Thank you for coming on today. Um, like it was through Twitter. We was on another show together the other day and... Like I was just listening to what he was saying and I thought I need to get this guy on because he's actually chatting sense out of everyone. So thank you for coming on. No worries, my bro. All right. So the first question is, has football changed in the last 10 years? Nah, definitely, man. Um, it's funny you even asked that question because I was chatting to it about my boys the other day and it's just like that transition between all from fans and also football players. So people always think, like, when we talk about football changing, people think it's only to do with, like, the, the on-pitch side of things. I think fans as well have changed across the last 10 years because, obviously, I'm I'm fortunate to have been a football fan from young, understand football from young because I've, gr- like, grown up in a football family. And, um, like, things used to be more straightforward back then. You see talent yeah. <laughs> and you know, like, cool, this guy is a baller, do you get what I'm saying? But these days... Everything is driven by hidden agendas. There's, I'm trying to get one up on one player than the other, not factoring in like maybe a player coming from a different country. You see, for example, like, let's say Ronaldo, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo, get like a, another version of him was to sign yeah. for United again. Before he had even done anything in the league, people would be saying he's like top three wingers in, 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 in the world. You get me? that kind of vibe. And I think, it's not. Is it a problem? Yeah, I think it is to an extent because what it does is, is it it creates the mindset that this is okay to say things like this is okay. Do you get yeah. what I'm saying? Like having hidden agendas and whatnot. So I think from a fan perspective, it has definitely changed in terms of the opinions that we have. Then in terms of the on pitch stuff, I think the most blatant thing for me is the defending man. Defending is literally in the bin. I've, I'm literally in the process of writing an article about it. Like, there's yeah. no such thing as defending anymore. Like, if you look at even tactics, um, a lot of teams, if, I'd say probably 70% of teams in the Premier League right now attack with their fullbacks as well. Like, you see Sheffield United, even though they're bottom of the league, they play with, like, overlapping centre-backs. Wolves yeah. have changed their formation from a defensive style to now a 4-2-3-1. They're going to try and attack teams. Like, I feel like the only team in the league that really plays a counter-attacking style it's Tottenham and they're top of the league. So make of that what you will, but everyone's trying to attack. And I think that comes from trying to satisfy fans who want to see attacking football. I've seen Chelsea make that transition. Like Chelsea fans are tired of winning with defensive with a defensive style. They want to play attacking football. So you see that there. Arsenal have always been known to be attacking, to have an attacking style. United want that attractive style. So football has definitely changed because... From where we've come from, defending used to be prioritised. It used to be defence first. When you think of the best teams, the best title-winning teams, it's always been their defence that has been like the standout thing. Yeah. But then now, yeah, it's changed in that regard to on both sides of the spectrum. So, like, uh, yeah, because it's interesting you're saying about tactical. And when I think about it, I don't know. I mean, Arteta had done it a couple times last season where he changed the way he set up his team to who he was playing against. So there was obviously a definite D- 
different. So we played Liverpool, Chelsea and uh, Man City uh, last season in the FA Cup, but uh, Liverpool in the league. We mm. definitely played counter-attacking football. So we just had, we set up basically a five out the back and countered that way. So to me, that shows that a manager has some sort of knowledge of football to to, to change the way he plays. Um, Mourinho sets up depending on who he's playing. So there's obviously tactical knowledge there. But then with Klopp and Guardiola, I mean, Guardiola does sometimes switch it up depending on who he's playing. He tries to outsmart the um, opposition. So there's been a time but where... It's all from attacking... Bernardo up front and yeah, just, yeah, just yeah, trying yeah. to you know out um trying to out uh think the opposition and Klopp I don't know like it, for me he's a strange one because obviously he needs to be a great manager to do what he's doing and getting the players to play the way he plays but like you say I just think it's just attack 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 mm. it's not I don't feel like there's any sort of real tactics behind it as such as like mm. he's just got all these players up to some mad peak fitness and it's just like just play at 100 miles an hour for the whole game and because of who like you say with the fullbacks attacking they got Robertson and they got um, Trent on either side so you know sometimes they're it's like they've got six up front because those two plus the front full four that they're currently playing yeah. it's just it's just mad and like yeah going back to 10 years ago like it's just I just felt like there was more tactics in football. Like I think the yeah. word the word you're looking for is it's the balance, man. Yeah. I think like in football, they, there's there's people who say attack wins you games, there's people who say defense win you, wins you games. But I think football is a one sport where it actually does need to be balanced to an extent. It's you balanced, need a yeah. yeah, you need a good defense and you need a good attack. But one thing I will say, and it's interesting how people think that it's attack. It's attacks that are winning leagues, but really and truly, let's let's take a deeper look into it. When Klopp did eventually win the league, it came as a result of signing Allison, Van Dijk, and Fabinho, yeah, a defensive base. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. When Pep Guardiola finally won the league, it came as a result of buying fullbacks that he actually wanted that could do the job defensively and then serve the attack, the attacking thing that he had going on there. Do you get what I'm saying? So it all comes as a result of the defensive base that you're actually able to fix. And that's what I think people are forgetting. Like football has changed in terms of the priority is how well you attack. But at the end of the day, at the root of any great attack, you need guys who are willing to do the job defensively for the attack to thrive. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so yeah, I get, I totally get what you're saying. I think, I think something you were alluding to, I think Arteta's missed the trick because when he came in, like he put in a system of counter the, the counter attacking play to suit yeah. the players he had, played a three at the back, and it worked. You won a trophy, you even won the community shield after. Like, even if people want to say it was the new manager effect, at the end of the day, no one can take away those trophies from him and how he won it. You get what I'm saying? You could, but, but and there was the new manager effect, but you could clearly see he had something in mind as well. Exactly. And I think that's I think the whole where we're saying football has changed and the whole fans and the whole social media, I honestly think that he's changed the way he's played because people have got onto his back. Yeah, about, 100%. About it. And then 100%. he's gone to four at the back. And then since we've gone to four at the back, 
we haven't looked good at all. 100%. Like, everyone just looks, they, they're kind of looking a bit lost out there. And, you know, I know it's on Europa League, but I feel like those players that play in that competition, they're trying to prove a point. So they're naturally always going to give you a bit more. But yeah, since it's just, yeah, football's just, and then you don't really have people like Ferguson and Wenger and no. Mourinho where they just don't care anyway. Like, you, they, Wenger was so stubborn towards the yeah. end. He knew what he had to get, but he never got it. He just still thought, you know what, let me go out and and sign, you know, attackers. When yeah. for, for, for There was that chance where I feel like we could have got Kante and the history of Arsenal would be completely different right now. It's true if you did get Kante. Kante is that good. When Kante was leaving Leicester, I feel like Arsenal could have got him at that yeah. stage. But I mean, 32 guys, mil. That's and like you guys are going to get him and it's no coincidence that you win the league straight away. Yeah. So, like you're saying, you need that defensive stability all the way through and people like Kante and that give you. But yeah, it's just 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it's just it's just change, 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 change. The the Arsenal teams are that like the eighty nine team and the ninety one team that won the league. Mm. Ninety one team only lost one game in that season, but it was built on George Graham having that defense and winning one nil. You can't really do that anymore. It's just it's just it just doesn't it. No one wants to do that anymore, and that's I think that's the biggest issue. But the reason why no one wants to do it is because of the pressure they receive from the yeah. fans, from the board. Like the board, you, yeah, you, you get you get paid, you get brought in. The reason why you get a job is because you want your team to play expansive, an expansive style of football that is attractive. Yeah. You want you want to be more marketable. One thing I've understood now is football right now is a business. It's all yeah. about how much money you can bring in. And it's interesting because I always use Chelsea as the example. When Roman Abramovich first came into the club, it was all about winning trophies. How successful can we be? I'm going to yeah. put all the money into the club. I don't care what the manager does. I'm going to give you the money. Just make sure you win. Win trophies. Then it, after we won trophies for a sustained period of time, it was about getting the Champions League. Finally got that Champions League. Now slowly Chelsea revolved their, their, their model and started trying to become a business. And how do you become a business? Start hiring managers who play attractive football because attractive football is what will increase your fan base across the globe do you get what I'm saying there's a reason yeah. why Barcelona Real Madrid United have been the big even Arsenal if you want to put them in that category based on their history have been the biggest clubs over yeah. a period of time it's because of the football that they play and that's why now football is in the state where teams want to expand their base but attract more fans and it just doesn't it's, it doesn't work for everyone simple as it doesn't it's work just, for it's, everyone because you I heard you mentioned Man United there do you ever feel like there was a Man United team that played really attractive football? Attractive might not have been the word, but one thing you have to give to Fergie and all the yeah. teams they had, they, were, they had quality attackers. If you yeah. if you go through it, Van Nistelrooy, they always yeah. had a gunman, Rooney, Berbatov, Van Persie, everyone, they had loads. They had attackers. Like They played a simple 4-4-2, there wasn't much to it, but they had attackers on the pitch that would make you think you're watching yeah. such attractive football yeah. and they were winning as well. So that's a formula that just can never be questioned. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, when you say attractive football, 
I'm thinking, I think most people think like Tiki Taka sort of Barcelona yeah. football. Um, I don't know, man, like Spurs, not so much like right now, but a couple of years ago Pochettino. when they were, yeah, Pochettino, when they were doing their thing, they, they played some decent football. But yeah, it's just, it, it, is, a, it is a funny one. And now uh, I just feel like it's just built on footballs being athletes and because they're athletes they just got 100 miles an hour do everything at 100 miles an hour so the people that we enjoyed watching just don't get a squeeze anymore which 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 is sad man very very sad um so yeah on to the next question then have we seen the end of the number 10 i mean again this plays nicely because this was what i spoke about in my most recent episode I think it, if I'm being honest, I think it could be the end. However, I think football is cyclical, isn't it? In, in the way that things come back around, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think the number 10 can come back again. But as of yeah. now, yeah, there's, like, there's, no, there, there's no such thing as the number 10. Like, if you are a number 10 by, by nature, like, if that's what you grew up, like, playing you're going to be transformed. You're either going to become a winger or you're going to become an eight. Do you get what I'm saying? You can't have that freedom that the number 10 has, like the Matters back in the day and the um, Urzels and uh, who else would you say put into that category? Yeah, I mean, like I was just looking at my list because I was just, just so I didn't forget them. But yeah, like I had had Ozil, Zidane. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember Raquel May. Yeah, um, 100%. Had, yeah. Pablo Aymar at Valencia. Yep. Obviously, you said Juan Mata, which is probably one of my favourites in the Premiership yep. era. Ronaldinho, yep. Kaká, Totti, and my yep. favourite, probably Del Piero. Del Piero. Then, sort like... of, then you had, yeah, Del Piero and Dennis Burkamp, where they, they were different. Centre-forward. They were, were centre-forward number 10s. Yeah. They would get goals, but they would create. And same with, same with Totti. Towards the end, Totti probably scored more goals than he was creating. Yeah. But... That's what I tuned in to watch every week. Those sorts of players mm. doing their ma- their magic. Whether some people like Burkamp's goal against Newcastle was fluke or whatever, but there's loads of games where he would just do things like that. You mm. think, how did the guy do that? Like, and then I don't know. Like, I just don't know why it changed or how it changed. And I think it's, it's I think the trend. It's transformational football. Like you have yeah. to think about it like this. Like when the four-two-three-one died, yeah. and what happened was teams yeah, wanted. I literally got that written down here. That, yeah, the four-two-three-one <laughs> yeah. is what died, and then that that teams realized like, look, we need wingers who can score goals. Like you, mm-hmm. how you win games is wingers who can score, and then midfielders who can work hard and obviously create as well. If you look at Man City, for example, I say David Silva and De Bruyne are probably naturally tens. They would have been tens. Do you get what I'm saying? But they had literally to play the, the same thing written down there. Exactly, <laughs> and they, they they would have played the number they played the number eight role for City in the yeah. title in the team they had to work hard they had to create they had to to defend like teams are literally sacrificing one midfielder so one defensive midfielder and mm-hmm. pushing them further forward to supplement the attack that's where the idea of attacking 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 comes into it because yeah. they want to attack they want to be on the front foot do you get what I'm saying it's it, 
it's tough, man, because I see the same thing in guys like Grealish, Bruno Fernandes. Mm. They're, they're coming off the wing or they're playing the number eight position. Like, they're not... You either have to conform as a yeah. creative player or you're just going to be eased out of the game. That's literally... Yeah, and that's what's okay. happening to Ozil, really. That's, that's, all, that's, all, that's, that's, that's what's happened to him. Um, it's just, yeah... I mean, I mean it's sad. It's, it's, it's sad because, yeah, like you said, I grew up on watching those those players that I named. And, yeah, now, if you can't do what Silva does or if you can't do what De Bruyne does and play that sort of... from the wingish sort of positions and Grealish yeah. is doing it now... Um, Madison is doing it now it's taken away from their game because people are then saying oh it's because they work hard but you know they they, they sh- when you've got these lu- uh, you know they were luxury players you know Matt yeah. Gazza they were luxury they shouldn't have to be working that hard like to be honest they need that energy that game for, changes, yeah. yeah once the ball they got that transition and then they got on the ball they have their energy to do it I know like these these sets of players now they're just ridiculous athletes, so they can do both in it. But I don't really enjoy seeing it like my attackers doing some mad chasing. But like obviously you love it because that shows that they care about your team, in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like I like that sort of arrogance that Ozil used to bring, like just you know, and Matt Letitia used to just stand on the same spot, wait for the ball, and can. Di- dictate the play from there but I think two things obviously the times have just changed but two things that I feel that probably attributed to this as well was Cesc Fabregas and Xavi Alonso mm. I think they had a massive part in when they started doing that whole quarterback role business so mm. they could start attacks from centre midfield mm-hmm from further back from deeper so because they could do that it's like if if Fabregas is getting 10-15 assists a season like you're saying you can now bring another player into the team like an out and out winger or whatever someone like Salah or whoever is going to score 20-25-30 from 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 the wing and then also the you don't really have Patrick Vieira or Roy Keane or players like that that would enable you to play four four two because th- those sort of players can they can run a whole game in midfield. So you you like you've got it with Kante and you had it with Makalele where they were so good at defending that you didn't have to worry about getting back so much because you yeah. knew that these guys were taking control. And I think those sort little changes in football have yes, they've just they've just killed off the players. I feel like that I want to see because I just enjoyed watching Mao when he was at Chelsea. Yeah, enjoyed watching you know Dennis Totti all of those. Another guys. another perspective though is that like this is kind of maybe in defence of the managers. Yeah, they're seeing it as a thing of like, why should there be one player on the pitch that gets the freedom yeah. to do what they yeah. want when I could? Yeah. Could have another be, player yeah and have two guys who can yeah. attack and go back do you get what I'm saying yeah and go back yeah so they're seeing it like that and then now mm-hmm. really and truly look at the CDMs in, at the top clubs you've got Hoiberg you've got um, Kante you've got I'd say Fernandinho slash Rodri you've got Fabinho mm-hmm. these DMs need to be able to 
like defend, like mm-hmm. like literally marshal the whole back line. Do you get what I'm saying? There's no team see it as there's no point in having two guys. We don't need two guys doing that job now. We only need one you person. United did it though. And that's why they're not as successful as they should be. Look, the, I've yeah. always said Man United had the players to build around Pogba, but poor recruitment, poor management styles caused that. Like, Ander Herrera is the perfect player to play that free in midfield. Like, if you watch mm-hmm. them at Bilbao, he lost a lot of his attacking ability coming coming to United. Like, he, he was a box-to-box midfielder, and he lost all of that. What they should have done is... Bought a CDM who was able to do the job, get another eight, so Ander Herrera, develop him and make him a better player, and then play Pogba. And even then, you can still look at Grealish, Madison, all these guys. Even though they're playing in reversed roles, they still get the freedom to do what they want. Grealish mm-hmm. is still a maverick on the Aston Villa team. Madison, well, when he was fully fit, I think he's still trying to get back into it. Was the guy pulling the strings for these guys? Do you get what I'm saying? So... On the flip side, though, I think, yeah. do you think they would lose that if they were to join Chelsea, Man United, Man yeah. City, the, the, the top teams? Because I think if they if they went to Spurs, that's that's different because Spurs are trying to break into that. But the teams that are already up there, mm. I don't know. I feel like they would those two players in particular would lose a bit of their edge because I don't know, it's, at the moment, I feel like it's getting taken out of players. Maybe if, even if they went to someone like Everton, the way Ancelotti is letting Hammers play again, um, Rodriguez, not Hammers, um, Rodriguez there, uh, James, sorry. Um, he's just like, he seems like he's got his, like he's been free again, but at Real he's Madrid... He's he, on the wing, though. Yeah, but he seems to be free doing it, though, because the the, the pressure of not... Like, no one can chat chat to him, though, really. Like, Everton, they're a club, they're a decent club, but they haven't done anything. So, when you get players like that who are slightly above your team, I feel like they sort of run things. Like, But even then, you made Mm. the point you made there is valid because I'd even say Barkley falls into that category where he moved Chelsea and he lost a bit of his spark. And, and it's true. And just looks like he looks a better player. A much <laughs> yeah, he looks player. a better player because they know they're lucky to have him. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get you still, and but it frees up, frees them up. I just think that it's 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 the way things are. It's the way things are yeah. set up. Like if you're good enough, you're good enough. Do you get me? I think that's, I think, that's the thing, I think Grealish goes to another team and still has the same effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we see him do it with England, so we know. Yeah, that. I think he's that good. And like it's just a thing where now, as a ten, you can't afford to have the creative or the freedom that you want. Urza wants the pitch to himself. He wants to be mm. literally, uh, you man run for me, which I have no problem with. Urza was that good, but he, it needs to be a situation where you man run for me. But when I get the ball, I'm gonna do my, I'm gonna go to work kind of thing. But no team is prepared to do that for him. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's the thing. I think that was that was again a bit of Arsene Wenger, where I wouldn't even say Arsene Wenger was a he. He wasn't really a master tactician, was he? He was just he could always get a group of players, get them playing well together, Mm. and he let the people that he knew were the best 
where other managers may rein them in if they get a bit too cheeky or whatever, he would still just let them play. So at the time we had uh, Sanchez and we had Ozil and it was basically two players having a free role, which most teams don't have that. You don't have two, you have one player play the free role. Yeah. But we had two players play the free role. Sanchez used to just do whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah. And he would lose the ball a hundred times a game. Mm, but it, but it was matter. the moment. Yeah. It didn't matter because that moment was coming. So where people used to cuss him and stuff, I used to be like, no, I don't care because the moment is coming. And I think that's what we're kicking out of certain players that, you know, you need to keep it simple. People kept saying Fernandez need to keep it simple. But if other players took on what Fernandez done and played the risky passes and stuff, you would get better benefits from it. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, it, obviously it depends on who you got up front. When you've got these risky players, it depends on who they're giving the ball to because mm-hmm. I love Giroud. I think Giroud is probably the most underrated striker probably in the history of the Premiership. Yeah, like yeah. For the amount of goals and stuff that he scored for both Chelsea and Arsenal and the types of goals he scores and who he scores yeah. them against, he's probably the most underrated striker, but the level was different when Ozil was passing to him compared to when he was passing to Sanchez or even when he's passing to Ronaldo. So when yeah. he's given Ronaldo the ball, obviously he's going to get 25, 30. It's just a season in it because that, that's just the levels in it. And I see it now with Fernandez, like he's playing match winning passes. Yeah. The ball is not hitting the back of the net. Yeah. And then people were like, oh, he shouldn't have played that pass. He shouldn't have done this. But, you know, it's got it's, for everyone to get onto his level. That's the way I see it, is that people need to start getting onto his level now. So you let him do whatever he wants because he's proven to be a match winner right now. Now, it's interesting you say that. And even with with the Arsenal thing, the 15-16 Arsenal, I recently did a video on Giroud and I basically broke it down that, fam, people were so um, consumed with Giroud not finishing Ozil's chance, chances, they forgot that Sanchez went on a 10-game barren run. Sanchez went on yeah. a run yeah, where he went from October to, I believe it was March, without March, scoring. Yeah. Something like that. Something crazy like that. And it's like, Sanchez is the game-changer on this team, not Giroud. Giroud scored 16 goals that season. Sanchez mm-hmm. scored 13. So let's not mm-hmm. forget that Like Sanchez is supposed to be... like Obviously, yeah, maybe Ozil's the best player, but Sanchez is the match winner. Do you get what I'm saying? And that, was I think the, was that, the, that was the second season, wasn't it? Or the first one? 15, 16, the year Leicester 15, 16, won. Yeah, Leicester yeah. won it, yeah. So, yeah. But what was, what was key to that system was the guys behind it and let's let's not forget obviously Sanchez was doing what he wanted but Sanchez worked hard he worked very yeah, yeah, very hard yeah he worked hard he ran off the ball and did, until the last season where he was he, his mind wasn't there yeah. he worked really hard and you, these players come at a premium and for me it depends on the system you have around these players like you need to build your system around and what Wenger did well is he had a system like he had Ramsey Ramsey's a workaholic he had Oxley Chamberlain for for all his um like bad or negatives he's a he's a work he's someone who works hard you have um i think santi cazola was in that team yes, quality so player good. like that like, so good if not for injuries like he could have been yeah. one of the best in the mids that we, we remember today so yeah. like it dep- all depends on the system what you wanted to you always knew, knew arsene wenger was trying to play football he was trying to play quality football and he had the players to do that and that's why i think arsenal really missed the trick not winning the league that year but yeah. when it, when it comes to these tens, yeah. 
when it comes to these terms, these type of players, these kind of mavericks, I call them, you have to build a system around them or else they won't be... Aston Villa have the perfect system around Grealish like for him to thrive. Same goes for every other. Bruno is thriving because of his quality, not necessarily because of the team. So imagine if they bring in a manager who builds a team around him that rises to his level. You've got got a quality player on your hands. I I think that's my main issue with Paul Pogba. I'm like, if you spend eight, or with the exception of obviously Maguire, but if you spend in that sort of money on a player, you have to build the team around him. You have to watch what Juventus done. You have mm. to watch what France done, and you mimic it. That's what you do. And I, I always say, with even with Arsene Wenger, you he missed a trick where he didn't mimic what the Invincibles done. Like mm. you had Patrick Vieira, and you had somebody else next to him that was going to do the sort of dirty work, but Patrick Vieira was box to box. Mm. And I think like, you you try to mimic your best your best teams and then you you build around your best players. And I just feel like they've never once built the team around Pogba. Like, we know what he can give you, but mm. why are you... I know you keep saying, you say, I know you've argued for and against, but I just feel like, why do you want to hold him back by getting him to do the dirty defensive work when yeah. you know what he can do going forward? Going forward, and that's always he's gonna. Be, I think as well, people get on his back because I don't think there's many people in this world that don't like Paul Pogba. Mm. Like I know he's flashy off the pitch and all that, and that's probably what people don't like. But on the pitch, I think everybody wants to see him do well. And I think that's why people, so much people get on his back because they want to see him doing well. But I don't think any of these Man United troubles have been his fault, to be honest, because I just thought, you spent all that money, you know what he brings going forward. Why are you? Why have you put chains on the guy? And it's just, yeah, it, 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 it don't make sense to me. But again, there's a reason why we're sitting here and Ole is the manager and no, hundred percent. I mean, I've said it, man. <laughs> with Pogba as well, like um, obviously the guy I do my podcast with, he's a United fan, and I've yeah. broken it down a number of times. Like I've always said, look, there's nothing De Bruyne can do that Pogba can't do. When I look at two mm-hmm. of them, although very different players, their quality in it, and when you're of that quality, you can do a lot of things going forward. So when I look at them and I looked at their stats. Like, I see Pogba's goals and assists, yeah? Not even that they're low, but what, what the one that's higher changes every season. Whilst with De Bruyne, you know his assists are going to be higher than his goals every year. And that comes from the fact that they've got a manager who has come in and he knows what he wants to get out of De Bruyne. The reason why Pogba's one fluctuates so much is because you don't even know what United want to do with him. It's like they bought Pogba and didn't have an idea of where they wanted yeah, to play. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the marquee side in that sort of everybody was calling for. So I feel like they felt they had to sign the guy, but mm. they, they, they didn't they really didn't have a plan for him. But I've got the list of... What is this? What's got that? Two, four, six, eight, ten. But 20 players for the top assists for last season. Yeah. And we've got Messi at the top, 21 assists. Thomas Muller, 21. KDB, 20. Jaden Sancho, 16. Luis Alberto at Lazio, 15. Di Maria, 14 at PSG. Gomez, uh, that that very good uh, player at Atalanta. Trent Alexander on 13. The, the fake Hazard, so Hazard's brother, <laughs> talking at Dortmund, 13. 
Um, Akunku at Leipzig, 13. Robertson on 12. Um, Kostic at Frankfurt, he's on 11. Serge Gnabry's on 10. How many of them are number 10s? Yeah. Not one of them. I'd say, I'd say probably only... only um, Would you say KDB? You, I wouldn't no. even put him in there. No. I'd say probably like Maxi Gomez to an extent. Atalanta. Yeah. I think he's a 10. Yeah, Gomez, yeah. Um, but a lot of them wingers, fullbacks. Yeah, that's just... And that's where just the game has changed because that would be Ces Fabregas. That would be... Um, Mezit, that would be one matter, but none of them, like I know they're all past it now, but there's none of those sort of players yeah. in that population. That's across the whole of Europe, so that shows that the whole of Europe is not just the Premiership that's changed. It's the whole, it's just football in general, literally just football in general. Yeah, which I mean, we're never gonna start watching football, but I just feel like yeah, I don't know. You miss, like, you miss the old style. Yeah, I miss the old style and. I think yeah. it's, it's it's easy. The thing is, it's difficult for you though because if I do the flip side now, for us to be honest, because even though I'm not old, but I still like I'm I'm fortunate to have watched like the Invincibles and stuff like that. So I think for you, why I'm is tough? Yeah. yeah, why is someone, tough? Yeah. yeah, someone just coming in. Coming into this it, yeah. is the norm for them. That's normal. Yeah, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? And you, you, you have something to compare to. That's yeah, why it's yeah. kind of difficult. So you can say, "Oh, football was like this, this, and this." But when you're trying to tell someone who this is their norm, football was like this. They're like, "Bro, chill." Like, I'm not trying to hear <laughs> that. Like, this is what I'm watching. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's tough, man. It's very tough. Yeah, no, it's just, I just, I just, I hope, I hope it comes back. I hope it comes back. Yeah, no, hopefully, um, I, I do think it's cyclical, man. I, I think all these things are processes that come back around. So. Yeah. So, on to, to the next question. Who's your favourite number 10? I want to give you, I want to give you three because giving you one is a bit, is a bit mad. <laughs> I'm going to give you three. Ooh, my favourite number 10. I mean, there's been a number of number 10s that like, you, you, you you mentioned um, some of them, like Aymar. Like, yeah. The thing about these players that I was I was lucky to watch them in, um, not even watch them, but play with them in football games. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, Raquel me, Bola, like he was always like, people always used to say he was overweight and that, but yeah. like, just like Letizia and all these kind of guys, these guys are mavericks. Like they, they, they need the freedom of the pitch. Like and they, they will create a mad thing. Do you get what I'm saying? Thing, yeah. So, um, but my favorite number tens three. Do you want an order? Or just so can just no. Be just, just give me three because yeah. Put um, I would say Burkamp is there. So mm-hmm. as a Chelsea fan, I love Burkamp. Like I think Burkamp was one of the best number tens we've seen. Yeah, Based on the fact that just his technical ability, this guy, like I believe he won the Ballon d'Or, if I'm not mistaken, or he was in the top three. He's in top three, yeah. Top three, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I think he finished second. I think he finished second, yeah. Like this guy was a baller. Like um, people focus so much on um, Ajax. Um, I mean, Arsenal. Burkamp that they forget about the Burkamp before like, Burkamp that used to beat people for pace and bro he was a mad striker like when I was watching I was just watching videos the other day and I was like 
I saw like I, when we got back home, he, yeah. he wasn't even at the end. I think he was 26 or 27. So he wasn't even at the end. Yeah. But he was that intelligent that he knew he had to change his game coming over here. And he just yeah. changed his game. Like that. He just completely changed his game. And some of the stuff I saw that guy do, man, like Thierry Henry is always going to be Mr. Arsenal that everybody remembers and talks about because mm. what that guy used to do. But for me, the better footballer and a better footballing brain was Dennis Bergkamp, 110%, man. Yeah. 110. No, 100%. And like, look, like I was saying, Inter Milan, Ajax, Dennis Bergkamp was such a baller. Like, people forget that. Yeah. Like, I think one of, if I was to say, for people to remember, I think for me, the most iconic moment is not even that, the Newcastle thing. I think it's the hat-trick against um, Leicester. I think it was. Um, you know what? That, that, the, one of the goals that he scored against Leicester, he'd done the same thing, but he'd done that against Argentina in the World Cup. Yeah, no, I remember that goal. Oh, I remember for that me, goal. that is probably, I mean, yeah, I love that Leicester hat-trick, but, Every time I watch that goal they scored against Argentina, I was just like, how's my, like, you can't just take the mitt. Like, for me, that's just like you just playing in the park with your mates. Like, when you, the way he used to play football was like that. He just used to just do whatever he wanted. The game was slow down mm-hmm. for him and he would just do whatever he wanted, man. Dennis was just, yeah, magic. He was magic, man. And then second, I'd probably say, um, this would be a surprise, yeah, but mm. like, do you know what? Would I class him as a number 10? Actually, I'll leave him out. I'll say honourable mention in it, but my second one I'd probably say is, I'd probably say Zidane. Yeah, I'd probably yeah. say Zidane, of course, just for obvious reasons. Zidane, technical brilliance as well. You probably see a trend in my players like Bergkamp, Zidane, technical ability, the ability yeah. to just bring the ball out of the sky, things like that. Like what they what they meant to their clubs and the things that they were able to do with the football, their football brain. Like they could just see the pitch like without even needing to look. Like they'd make balls. Yeah. Like you don't get guys like Ozil without these Bergkamps and Zidane. These guys weren't really quick per se, but what they could do, they were, they were so much quicker than you in the brain. And that's what Fabregas mm-hmm. was basically explaining. He said like... Quick quickness in the brain is so much better than pace on the pitch, like because you do things before anyone even reacts to it. Do you get what I'm saying? I was, that was going to be. I was going to say. I know he's not number ten, but Sesk. Yeah. The quickness of that guy's brain was uh, no, unreal, man. Unreal. He the, he was he was slow, but he was quick. Like yeah, the goal that he scored against. Spurs from straight from, from the kickoff. kickoff. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no way someone with his pace should have scored that goal. It's <laughs> yeah. just like it just, just shouldn't have happened. Like he's got minus pace, but he ran through them like he was like a sick quick winger boy. But yeah, yeah. I like he's not a number ten, but yeah, Sesk is just. And then num- number one, oh, my, actually, let me say my honourable mention. My honourable mention is Deco. Deco, I thought, was mm. baller. Mm. As in that, mm. he's like an eight and a half, ten yeah. type. Yeah, he's an eight and a half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Deco, yeah. 
unbelievable. And I think it's because we had him at Chelsea as well um, mm-hmm. under um, Scolari. And I think he went Ancelotti as well, yeah. So we had Deco and he, he just pulled out, man. Technical ability, could see the pitch. You know them guys who come on with gloves? Like, you know when they come yeah. on with gloves? You know, they're, <laughs> they're the guy, in it. But yeah, Deco really loved him. And then obviously at Barcelona as well, Bula. And then number one for me, Ultimate um, 10, made me watch football. Ronaldinho, man, like, just everything about him like there's there's not much you can really say about Ronaldinho um he was just like elite level 10 um yeah like elite level 10 and you know what I'm sorry I forgot I'm actually going to kick out Zidane because I can't believe I forgot <laughs> this but Kaka Kaka is second oh, for me yeah because everyone thinks Kaka is not on the level of Messi Ronaldo and that but respect needs to be put on his name he went through a lot of the Madrid period affected him a lot and injuries messed him up Kaka was elite Kaka was on that level he just couldn't sustain it and that's because of obviously other issues but Kaka was a baller like what he did to United in the Champions League the ball to Crespo against Liverpool in the Champions League final Mm -hmm. bro Kaka was on different Different yeah. stuff. What I, what I think we stuff. need to do with 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 a couple of these players though is come back on another show and talk about them. Mm. I love them, but what I want to see is that the years that they were active, that they were at the top of the top, 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 top of their game. Yeah. The thing with me is, I think I don't know. I'll, I need to I need to go back and really really check it. But for me, like I think Kaka, Ronaldinho. And even Zidane, to a certain extent, it wasn't that long. Their period of being on the top, on the top. Yeah, 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 wasn't really, really long, which probably sets... I know Messi and Ronaldo are just on some crazy level anyway. Like, we can't even... But do you know where it was, though? That period of time wasn't so consumed by stats. Imagine yeah. you have stats yeah, in yeah, this period yeah. of time. They'd be criticising that. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, a stats like, thing, isn't it? yeah. Deep it, yeah. If you if you even go through someone like Iniesta now, yeah, he what has position, never. What position was he? What position was he? I'd say he's an eight. I wouldn't put him as eight, a ten. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Put him as an eight. Yeah. Um, but he never scored ten goals, and I don't even think he got ten plus ten assists in a season. Yeah. Like, he just wasn't a stats guy. But what he did, like this is why, if you didn't watch football, you just would not be able to understand. Same goes for Zidane. Same goes yeah. for Burkamp. All these guys there, like. It's like when people say, oh, Burkamp isn't in the top top 10 because he only scored, he never scored 100 Premier League goals. I'm like, fam, he wasn't there to score goals. Like, mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah, no, it was mad because, I mean, the three that you've given, my, my, the difference would have probably been Kaka and Zidane. Mm. Um, so I would have probably given you the, those three, but since you gave those three... Um, I want to say Del Piero, yeah, Totti, yeah, because because you because you put Kaka in, and I'm gonna to have to say Zidane, then because yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah, I had to kick him out, man. <laughs> I'm gonna give you Zidane, but my honourable mentions are definitely one matter for a Premiership anyway. Definitely one matter. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And another one of your guys, Gianfranco Zola. which yeah. is another in between, very, very in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, SS kind of yeah just yeah it's very in between and you know one of my all-time favorites as well man Paolo De Cano yeah again very and don't you think then 
because now we've analysed this trend, don't you think it's yeah. evolution of the 10? Maybe we have 10s in football, but it's a different form of it. Yeah, it's, it's a different form of it because, yeah, like you say, just, you just the last creative cog. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely very intriguing. And obviously we'll see where it's going to go in another 10 years from now. Yeah, but for real. I, I hope, I hope that uh, we get we get that number 10 back, man. But I think Daniel, it's tough, you know. Yeah, go on. I, I think the reason, thinking about it more and more now, I don't think it can come back because you have to remember those 10s, yeah, they were allowed the freedom of the pitch to literally do whatever you wanted, like not even worry about the defensive side of things. Yeah. But in t- like football now, you need 11, you need your, every manager is going to think you need your 11 players. I, I think, it, I honestly just think it's down to, to, athleticism to be honest yeah because yeah. the tens that we picked <laughs> not one of them was an athlete like in terms yeah. of what they look like now or how they move now none of them yeah. so the game's changed that much that even the people that do get sort of laughed at for being overweight like Maguire and people like that they're still yeah. in very good shape aren't they so yeah, yeah. Actually, it's, it's 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 even when people used to laugh at Frank Lampard in that time he took off his top and man had like yeah, had a sit back <laughs> in that and they were all like rah yeah so we just know we know that obviously everything's just changed man like yeah it's changed players don't smoke and that well not in public in here but yeah everything's just it's just completely different man but it's definitely definitely an, an intriguing uh, topic which yeah I think we should come back visit at the end of the season and see sort of what uh, has happened with Fernandez and if he has <laughs> stay, stay true to it man um, but Daniel thank you so much for no coming on that. definitely the best chat I've had about football in, in forever man um, please plug your socials your football show and your Twitter everything plug it yeah uh, Twitter, Insta, everything is Daniel Bamaji as seen on screen, just my name. And then if you want to see my content, um, it's all on Eyes on the Ball TV. So on all platforms, YouTube, Insta, Twitter, Eyes on the Ball TV. So that's me. Yeah, thank you, man. Definitely that uh, you just go listen to his content, man. It, he knows what he's talking about. It's none of that just trying to get the likes out here for just chatting rubbish, man. He, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Nah, as well as me, it, just bro. follow me on Away Day Show on Twitter um, and on Instagram and on uh, YouTube. I'm Big Gunner. So, Daniel, once again, man, thank you so much. And we're definitely going to get back uh, next Hundreds. month or so. More content, man. Uh, right, safe for that, man. Have a good day, yeah? You too, bro.